Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And we got some new games, like new actual real UConn basketball games. The season has begun. UConn is 2-0, and um, we've got some... You know some real stuff to talk about not like you know not classics uh, you know obviously these weren't uh yukon classics by any stretch but after the last uh, seven months or whatever it was of just uncertainty and chaos uh it felt good to watch some yukon basketball um so you know joining me today is tim fontenot obviously uh you know been on the podcast a lot now tim we had yukon's back how how's it feel it's amazing Especially, you know, that first day of the season, I sat there and I, from from noon until midnight, I watched a nonstop Big East marathon on FS1. So that was just an amazing feeling because I was watching those teams and I was like, "That's our conference! Like those are those are the teams we're playing against now. No more ECU, no more Tulane. Like we're back." Yeah, it was great. It felt felt you know that that first day especially just all the Big East games were like all on in like a marathon. So it was great. You just, I mean, most of them weren't particularly good games, but it, no. <laughs> it was still something to be said about just being able to sit back and watch a team. That's not UConn play a game and actually kind of care. Like, you know, you actually want to watch these teams cause you're interested and curious and like, you know, almost a sense of like, you know, who are these guys? I feel like I should learn about them. That has not been <laughs> the case. It has not been the case in a while. So um, we are recording this on uh, Monday, November 30th, uh, about 7 o'clock. It is absolutely raining like crazy outside, so um, hopefully you don't hear too much chaos in the background here. There's literally nowhere in my house where you can't hear just the howling winds, so uh, apologies if that's a thing, but either way, um, you know, yeah, it's like we said, UConn has played their first two games of the season, and uh, as of today... Uh, the plan is that UConn will play USC on Thursday as part of the Legends Classic uh, showcase, uh, seeing as that the planned matchup against Vanderbilt was canceled because uh, Vanderbilt has had a COVID problem in its program. And then on Saturday, the plan is to play NC State at Mohegan Sun, and that will hopefully uh, kind of catapult UConn into the Big East Conference play. So, um, Tim, I guess kind of, uh, I guess what figured the most sensible way to start this is to kind of go start to finish. Um, we'll kind of start with last week and then talk about the future. So first things first, uh, what are our thoughts on UConn basketball after one week? What do you, what do you think of how the team looked so far? Um, bit of a mixed bag. If I'm going to be honest, watching them on the offensive end has been mostly fun. Um, they've struggled a little bit, especially when, Central and Hartford both at times went into a zone, and we all know how much fun it is to watch UConn play a zone offense. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys, you know, starting to, like, trying to figure things out. It's early, and we're in the same same spot that everyone around the country is, and we've seen a lot of sloppy games. No matter no matter where you look, the, the best teams in the country are having some real humdingers against sub-300 Ken Palm teams. And so I think everyone's just still trying to work it out. We've seen a lot of things to like, especially, like I said, on the offensive end, a lot of things not to like on the defensive end so far. Um, a bit of, a bit of both on both ends of the floor. I mean, what I, what I've really loved so far is uh, Adama Sanogo. Just all the Adama Sanogo that I can get has been just completely great. I've enjoyed all, what is it, 
28 minutes because he only played against Hartford for 11 minutes, and I was really confused about that. But, um, yeah, just a, there's a lot going on right now, and just trying to figure things out, seeing where everyone is. James Booknight is going to be first-team All-Big East like he should have been in the preseason. But I think there's a lot to like about every guy that's been on the floor so far. Yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said about being able to just take care of business and get the W's against the uh, bad teams on the non-conference. Because as we've seen, that's not a given this year. Uh, You know, Virginia just goes and loses to San Francisco, who a couple days earlier, San Francisco went out and loses to UMass Lowell. No, you know, by the way, shouts to UMass Lowell, who have now technically beaten the reigning NCAA champions via the transitive property. But, you know, that's a, you know, March Madness is, a, well, it's let's just put it this way. We're getting a lot of madness in November. You know, Kentucky just had a big loss. Uh, there, you know, there's certainly been plenty of others. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I, I think at those point, this point, those have all been well uh, documented. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, UConn did not look great really in either of the games. Well, I mean, they looked fine, I guess. Like they they got the job done. The Hartford game, you know, it, it starts off and you're just like, oh my god, they're just smoking these guys, and then it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, but you know, that's a game that they well here here's put it this way. Last year they lost to Saint Joseph's and just got smoked by a really bad team. And you know, basically yeah. this year. You know, Hartford could have been that same kind of thing, and you know, they 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 held him off. So, good start. I'll take some blame for Hartford. Oh because, really? Uh, you jinxed them. I uh, after at the at the under sixteen timeout in the first half, I tweeted that James Booknight was on pace for a hundred points, which was true. He was he was going for a hundred based on the first four minutes of the game. Yeah, what have you? He then, had like what sixteen points, and then like two like after the after your tweet or something like that. Yeah, it was it was like that. How's how it started? How's it going? And the how's it going was not great. I mean, eighteen points, whatever he had, what solid night. But when you have twelve in the first four minutes, come on, you're you're asking for thirty there, or or a hundred if you want to go and do it. Yeah, but we'll we'll talk know. about James in quite a bit more detail, obviously soon. Yeah. But it is something to be said where the guy averages nineteen points per game or something in the first two games. He, he's consistently putting up numbers that it's exactly what you want. And after both of the games, you're like, man, woof, Booknight could have been so much better. I mean, <laughs> damn, like that's you know. You get basically a guy who's basically averaging twenty a night, and your reaction is like, "Eh, that that's not a bad problem to have." Uh, certainly, it's no. not a problem UConn would have been happy to have in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, so anyway, let's we'll start with the first game, uh, the Central Connecticut game. UConn wins one hundred two to seventy five. Central Connecticut was ranked. Uh, so I, I'm just gonna just put it out here. Uh, when I wrote down all these Ken Palm numbers, it was kind of like it was before the Providence game versus Indiana ended. Obviously, St. Uh, St. John's is in progress with BC. Some of these numbers are really kind of just uh, they, this is what they were a couple hours ago when I wrote them down. So whatever. They're not going to change that much. Uh, Central Connecticut was ranked number uh, 339 as of this afternoon. Um, obviously, not they're certainly not one of the better programs in the country. Uh, UConn uh, ranked, uh, I think, I guess now since the Providence game ended, UConn's up to 51. Um, you know, uh, offensive uh, rating was like 35th in the country. Defense was 65. So, you know, it was pretty solid. UConn, you know, kind of looking all, all right at the start of the season. Uh, certainly we hope that it'll start to go up as time goes on. 
Uh, Central Connecticut, they defense was terrible, frankly. They they really their lack of practice showed. But offensively, you know, 102 points is nothing to you know sneeze at. So uh, pretty solid all around showing. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on this one? On uh, just kind of big picture on the uh, Central game. Well, it was definitely ugly at the start. Um, at least that first half there, I really, I, I wasn't too crazy about the first half. But right near the end, they start to pull away a little bit, and then once they get into the second half, they just they started to show which was the stronger team, and by far. I mean, they, you know, before before you know it, they're up double digits, and they just, you know, they keep pulling away. They keep pulling away. It was a good chance to get a bunch of guys in there. I mean, I, I was I was watching this one. I'm like, this is the Brendan Adams game. I mean, Brendan Adams came off the bench, and he honestly looked like I, I jumped the gun, and I'm like, this guy is going to be sixth man of the year in the Big East. I mean, unbelievable. He was, you know, he gets 26 minutes off the bench. He shoots 6 of 10, 3 of 5 from 3. He gets a steal. He has, you know, he has a few assists, a couple of rebounds. I mean, he was outstanding. Um, really liked what I saw from RJ Cole. Tyler Polly being back just gave me feelings. That was just, it was just great to see him out there. Um, the three point stroke is going to come. He, um, he was only, he was two of six in this game, which was, you know, it was fine. 14 points. Um, but again, as I mentioned, Adama Sanogo in this game, I think we all started drooling over him uh, with this performance in his debut. You talk about a guy who passes the eye test. My God, yeah. <laughs> like you, you see the stats and you see, Oh, this is a big guy. And then you actually see him. You're like, Oh, this is a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh he, he's a he's a big he's a big dude. Um, UConn hasn't had a big dude like him in a long time. Uh, this is certainly. I think you and I said on. I'm sorry. I I think you and I said on uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, taller Jeff Adrian. Was, Pretty much. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly he has Jeff the Jeff Adrian shoulders. That's for sure. I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's we're a long we're a long way from the uh, national championship front court of. Uh, of uh, Amita Brima, Phil Nolan, and Tyler Olander, that's for sure. Um, UConn, oh, U- UConn's got a front court that looks like a UConn front court again, which is certainly a, a real nice thing to have. Um, yeah, Sonogo, eight points, seven rebounds. Um, you know, just really saw what was nice about him. Uh, he's four or six in the game. He only played seventeen minutes, but like, just looked really looked really solid. Like he didn't look. He certainly didn't look like he was overwhelmed. That's uh, you know, when when you're dealing with a freshman in this first college game. You know, just having a guy who just looks like he belongs is just a, a really good place to be. Brendan Adams, yeah, it was uh, a really... I wasn't quite sure what to expect of Brendan Adams this year. My hope was that he would be, like, a little bit of a better version of what he was last year, which was, like, you know, an adequate guard off the bench. And in this game, it was like, oh, actually, he might be more than adequate. He might actually be, like, you know, a real contributor, which they're going to need. You know, it's pretty obvious, like, you know, depth can and should be a strength of this team. So having Ad- Brennan Adams contribute like he did here, I mean, obviously it's against Central. So we'll have to see how that goes later in the year. But, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, just, uh, you know, he's one of those guys where, you, you you know, we all, even when he first arrived, it was like, I didn't really know what to think. Like, I was like, is this guy even a, really a player? I think at this point we can say he's a real guy. Like, he'll he'll contribute to this team and, you know, it's going to be a – be good. Uh, Whaley, I think Whaley was really the key here. I think it was uh, 12 points, 7 rebounds, and most importantly, he still looked like last year's Isaiah Whaley. There was absolutely no sign of regression at all. Uh, kid can play. You know, he's he's a stud. He, he's going to be a real big part of this team for sure. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just jumping a little ahead, the exact same thing you just said about Whaley applies to the Hartford game, uh, where he really took over, especially in those final minutes. When they needed to pull away, there was Isaiah Whaley. And I think he's become one of the heroes on this team for this fan base. I mean, when you look at what he did last year, and, you know, the question was always going to be with these guys, you know, when you, you know, another year, it's been a weird offseason. Like, what were we going to get? And, from at least from James Booknight and Isaiah Whaley, in these two games, we've seen, oh, yeah, these two guys are going to deliver. Like, that's just going to be status quo with them, and hopefully a little more than that. Yeah, definitely. I do want to go kind of person by person. So let's hop ahead to the Hartford game and get a quick uh, big picture there, and then we'll kind of run down the lineup because uh, I, I think th- these two games have really told us a lot about basically everybody on the roster, which is really nice because our big thing coming into the season was you know, who's going to play? What's everyone's role going to be? Like, it was honestly like a revelation to actually see the starting lineup, who got, who plays the most minutes, kind of where everybody stands. So uh, we now have a better idea that, uh, first though, Hartford, uh, so UConn wins this one in a, a less impressive fashion. They win uh, 69 to 57. Hartford, a slightly better, but still not a great team. They were ranked 302 in Ken Palm. Uh, and, um, you know, like we said at the top, just an, was looking like an just a massive blowout, and it winds up being kind of a grind. But you know, they get the job done. Uh, you know, James Booknight. So he, James Booknight had twenty points in the first game. He has eighteen here. Um, you know, kind of, we'll, we'll say like inconsistent in both games, where he's like, looks like he's just the best player on the planet for a few minutes, and then just disappears for a while. You know. Well, Book Knight has plenty of room to grow, well, so I'm not worried about him. He'll he'll be fine. Um, Jalen Gaffney in this game, I, I was very impressed with him here. So in the yeah. central game, he his stats were not really that impressive, but he was solid. Uh, what I loved in this game, though, you know, just he 15 points first of all. Um, you know, it, it six for uh, six for eight from the free throw line. So you know, he plays 36 minutes, which uh, which is a team high. Defense was good and uh, no turnovers. You know, that's, uh, you know, only two assists, but, you know, those will come and come with time. Uh, you know, Jalen needs to just be really solid for this team. And I, I think at this point, it's it's looking like we're going to get like a pretty good, uh, certainly much improved version of Jalen Gaffney. And the Hartford game was a good a good sign that he's trending in the right direction. What do you think of uh, with how he how he's looked so far? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, in, in this game, I thought he was excellent. I think if we get a serviceable Jalen Gaffney game in and game out, you know, the, the zero turnover number obviously being very key because I feel like a lot of the offense flows through him. You know, he's he might not take 10 shots a game like he did in this one, but he's going to, you know, he's going to move the ball around and get it to the shooters like Book Knight, like Polly, get it inside to guys like Whaley and Sonogo. So, and RJ Cole, of course. RJ Cole, fantastic. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an excellent game from him, and he's going to be one of those key guys. Even if it doesn't show up in the box score game in, game out, you know, you're going to need him to be consistent like that. And you know, he was he was really good on the defensive end too. Two blocks, two steals for for one of your guards. That uh, you'll take that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, I think we need to give another shout out to Whaley. He has ten points, ten rebounds, five blocks. And really, he's he's the guy who sparked the run that finally kind of put UConn ahead for good. They were really struggling, and you know, their UConn's theoretically their best players are younger. You know, Whaley is at this point really one of the senior guys who, you know, I think after the game he even said it himself, like, "Hey, listen, like, you know, 
this this needs to start with us like you know guys like him and Polly you know obviously they, they shouldn't be the best players on the team but you know Whaley that, that that he's become a guy who can just put a team on his back honestly it's amazing like he was he was think about where he was two years ago would you have yeah, ever expected exactly. this like I I actually gotta say I, I here's here's um I haven't seen Whaley play in person that often. Uh, you know, it's just, it hasn't necessarily been easy for me to get to UConn games and right. until last year that wasn't really worth watching. Uh, I got a chance to see Whaley play in one of his very first college games. Uh, UConn played uh, Merrimack College um, in exhibition uh, in uh, Whaley and Polly's freshman year. And I, I went down to cover it because uh, at the time I was at the Eagle Tribune and Merrimack was, you know, across the street from our office. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go cover Merrimack at UConn. Let's just say, let's just say it was a it was a a pretty thin excuse to just go cover a UConn game, but whatever. Uh, I was super impressed with Whaley. You know, he was uh, you know a a super raw freshman, but I I just remember being like, he stood out. I thought it was like, hey, this guy's this Whaley kid looks pretty good. Like he's bouncy, he's getting rebounds. He, you know, against you know, you know, Merrimack obviously has made some noise recently, but this was like they, they hadn't quite broken through yet at this point. So. You know, he should have been physically dominant against that team at that point. But, you know, it, it took a while for him to figure it out. But it definitely a part of me thinks like looks back at that. It's like, yeah, I mean, it was always there. So it's really great to see that, you know, Danny Hurley and his staff has unlocked him and kind of helped get him going. Um, and then, you know, the other guy who was good in this game, uh, really crucially, was Tyrese Martin. Uh, he did not play the central game because of a highly questionable suspension for an unsanctioned summer league game or whatever. Uh, you know, he... <laughs> Quietly impactful, uh, six points, um, you know, five, uh, he goes 10 rebounds though, uh, 25 minutes, just, uh, you know, good defense, just, uh, you know, kind of, I, I have to admit, I didn't really notice him very much when the game was happening. And then afterwards I looked at the box score. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. This guy's got to play more. And then literally Danny Hurley said it himself. It's like, yeah, 25 minutes isn't enough. We'll, we'll, we'll be seeing more of him. So uh, would not be surprised to see him start in the uh, USC game this week. Um, first impressions of uh, Tyrese Martin. What do you think of him? Yeah, first of all, I've been extremely excited about Tyrese Martin for a long time because anytime UConn nabs Hurley, you know, the times UConn's nabbed Hurley and now Tyrese Martin, my cousin is a URI grad. And I, uh, I was kind of, she wanted me to teach her college basketball, and it was during the beginning of Hurley's time at URI. So I've just been kind of waiting for all these things to happen for a while. And she's been really uh, feeling jealous because that's a huge loss for URI, um, us getting Tyrese Martin. And she was just like, congratulations. And yeah, thank you, because that was an outstanding performance. And that's if we're going to be getting more than 25 minutes a game out of Tyrese Martin, hopefully, you know, plus 30 as often as possible. I am completely excited about that. I mean, like you said, 10 rebounds, five on offense, five on defense. The guy is going to get to the boards and like, like Whaley was didn't foul very much for as we, as for as much as we heard the whistle in this game and UConn fouled 24 times, him and Whaley only fouled one time each. So that sort of discipline is very encouraging. Um, Moved the ball. Well, had three assists and, you know, only six points, but he only took four shots. He's doing a lot more than going to the bucket on this team. So there's there's a lot to be excited about with him. Yeah, I, I can't wait. So let's uh, so, you know, 
obviously the, between these two games, we've now have a, a decent idea of kind of where what the, how the pecking order ranks uh, within the UConn roster. So let's hit, let's kind of run down the list. So the starters so far have been Book Knight, R.J. Cole, Jalen Gaffney, Whaley, and Polly. Um, and then obviously the guys, kind of the first three guys off the bench, have all kind of played a decent amount of minutes too. So starting with the starters, Book Knight. Um, I, I think, like we said at the top, it's very encouraging that we can look at James Booknight averaging 19 points and doing a lot. You know, he's impacting the game in a lot of ways. And your reaction is he's not playing that good, really. So, what do we think of what do we think of Booknight? Is are we looking at like just an All-American waiting to blow, or or is this like we'll say this first uh, two games empty calories? What do we what do we think of him so far? Uh, I think it's the former, to be honest. Like, you know, and I'm not just saying that because I want to see Jalen, uh, James Booknight just go off and be Biggie's Player of the Year. Um, he he's got it. I mean, you know, enjoy him in stores while you can because it's not going to be very long. Um, look, everyone's everyone's in a spot right now where it's you know you're still trying to get your feet under you, and you know these two games have been frustrating in general. You know, and. Every every team that UConn comes up against is going to know that Book Knight is the guy you need to shut down, and so he's going to have to get used to that. He is the guy on this team now. He might not necessarily have been last season. There were, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be always the focal point of the other team's defense. But here we are now, and he's the star of the team. So he's got to get used to that. He's got to be, you know, we want we all see the potential for him to reach those heights close to Kemba and Shabazz and, uh, you know, even Jalen Adams and those guys. So he's, he's got to be ready for it. And he's got to, you know, he's got to take care of business. I mean, look, shooting seven to 15 from the floor is, is fine on any night. Uh, um, I mean, against, uh, against Hartford, you want to see him go off a little, a little stronger than he did, you know, only six points after the, after the under 16 timeout in the first half is not encouraging. And, you know, two of seven from three. You want him to be a bit more consistent, but you know, you gotta hope. You gotta hope, and you gotta think that that stuff's gonna, you know, it's gonna even out at some point, and we're gonna really see him take off. Yeah. We're gonna need him to because from here on out, you know, we've played two in-state sub three hundred teams. Now every game on the schedule from here on out is, you know, when you look at Ken Palm, it's tier A, tier B. Like we're we're playing games that won't kill us if we lose him in our re- on our resume, but they're going to be massive boosts if we win. So you need a guy like him to step up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he just, all he needs is time. I think, you know, with him, it's just all about consistency. You know, it's pretty obvious that he can get to the rim against anybody. He's a pretty good shooter. Although his three point, he's three for 11 on the season so far. That's obviously you want that to be a little better, but you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, just him having the ability to shoot, it, it will complement his game. And, you know, obviously he does just a lot of other things. Well, I think, yeah, it's just, he just needs some time, but we, we know what we've seen so far is very promising. Um, it's just certainly, you know, he'll, he'll, I'm not worried about James book night. No, I'll put it this way. Absolutely not. So RJ Cole, we finally get a look at RJ Cole. And I got to say, I really like what I see with this kid. Um, yeah. so over between the two games, he is averaging 13.5 points per game. Uh, he is shooting uh, 45% from the field and 41% from three. Uh, you know, so a pretty seems like he's a pretty solid three-point threat, which this team needed. 
you know, very, very good, um, you know, good with the ball. He's got seven assists. Uh, six turnovers is not really great either. But I think, you know, it's just been a weird couple of games. So, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully that'll start to come down. Uh, five steals, um, also very good. Um, you know, and just like came through, came through with some clutch plays, like in the central game, especially, I remember he had a couple of shots that really, uh, you know, kind of sparked the team. Uh, and also that beard, just an A plus beard. What are we, what are, what are we, what are our thoughts on RJ Cole? Um, I shudder to think what would have happened if he had stayed at Howard and they had a healthy McCurr maker right now, that team would be. <laughs> That that team would be incredible. Yeah. Um, well, let's 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 I, let's pump the brakes a little yeah. on that. But they yeah, they would have been yeah. great well, together. I'm not saying like Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight, but hey, they'd uh, they'd be fun to watch for sure. They'd uh, they'd be must see TV. But I am so happy RJ Cole is a Husky, and we've been hearing it for over a year now. Everyone's been telling us wait till RJ Cole gets on the floor with these guys, and he hasn't disappointed. And you know, I feel like there was a lot of room for us to for us to be disappointed based on all the hype that uh, that was going into him getting on the floor. He's delivered, and we've seen why you know he scored fifteen hundred points in two seasons at Howard, and he's he's gonna be crucial on this team, and he's gonna you know if he can deliver like this, and Book Knight gets really going, I mean, watch out yeah. <laughs> because if you've got them thriving, and you know. If you play with them and Gaffney on the floor as often as possible, and Gaffney's just getting them the ball whenever whenever he can, yikes! That's that's a lot of good guard power out there. He sure is. And with uh, one thing, I was curious to see with Cole, like he's used to being just like a volume shooter, a volume scorer, just the guy who's just doing everything when he was at Howard. And that is obviously not going to be his role. I think it was pretty clear, and I'm sure he was well aware of that. So seeing the role that he took on, it was interesting. I I was curious to see exactly how it would go. And I I think at this point, it's fair to say that he is a, uh, I guess we'll say like a solid second option kind of, you know, distributor score. Like he, he's a guy who seems like he's capable and willing to do whatever he needs to do in a given situation. So, you know, having an adaptable guy like that is really great because, you know, some, you know, here's the, the with some guards, you get guys who are great distributing, who can't really shoot. You've got some guys who can score, who don't really like to pass the ball. You got some guys who can kind of do a few things well, but then maybe they, they stink at defense. It seems like he's capable and good at most things. And, um, possibly could be great at a lot of things we, we haven't quite seen enough of it against good competition but you know it's a, a, a huge I, I think you know I was wondering how they were going to make up for Christian Vital. I think Cole has a lot of strengths that match up with Vital's game you know especially yeah. his three-point shooting if he can th- shoot the ball the way he has then that's going to go a long way towards kind of helping you know Vital was a terrific player obviously so not easily replaced but Cole Cole could be the guy who's capable of at least approximating that production Cer- certainly a, cer- a different player than Vital. he could even you know be better in his own way but we'll we'll just have to see um Whaley we talked about obviously 11 points 8.5 rebounds per game he's been awesome Jalen Gaffney uh 10.5 points per game so those are your four top scores um and then uh so why don't we talk about Tyler Pauly because he's been the other starter and Pauly has been interesting. Um, his first game against Central was very, very promising. Uh, 14.7 rebounds. He looked like the player that we saw right before the ACL. Um, you know, obviously the two for six three-point shooting wasn't quite what you wanted, but the rebounding was better. 
And um, then Hartford only plays 15 minutes. Really not very good. Uh, no, does not score. Uh, only shoots, attempts two uh, field goals, neither from three. Um, defense in both games was really pretty bad. Um, and he had four fouls against Hartford. So this version of Tyler, we kind of got bad Tyler in Hartford. I think obviously, you know, he's going to have, he's coming back from a torn ACL. So we'll, we'll have to kind of give him some time to get his feet wet. Um, I don't think that he'll remain in the starting lineup, uh, especially with Tyrese Martin playing how he did. Um, you, what are, what are, what should our expectations for Tyler Polly be this year? Cause I don't think he should be starting, but it's obviously he has a really important role on this team. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think you just said it all so well. And I say this as a Tyler Polly stan. Um, I, absolutely love this guy he's one of my favorite players on the team i was at his last game before he tore his acl in practice when he had that double double against tulane the uh the reason it was worth it to go to gamble on a wednesday night at nine o'clock and he you know he was awesome when he when he was when he was producing last year you know he can he's one of the best pure shooters on this team and he's got the length i mean i think if you have to take someone out, if Tyrese Martin's going to be starting, it's obviously him. He's the, the obvious choice. And I think that he can, you know, if he if he can be more consistent, because obviously that game against Hartford was really disappointing, um, and didn't even attempt the three-point shot. I don't, like, he just wasn't shooting the ball at all, and it's not a good formula if one of your best shooters is not shooting the ball, obviously. Um, I think if... You know, if he can come off the bench and provide a, you know, if, if, if you got a guy like Polly coming off the bench for like 10 points a game, something like that, you obviously want more. But this is a guy who can give you that extra length, that extra extra scoring touch off the bench. That's huge for this team. Because like we've, we've said before, the depth on this team is outstanding. You know, they're not everyone's going to be able to start and, if you can have guys coming in fresh for you know for a few minutes at a time and producing like that's that's huge. And I think Polly has the ability to do that. Obviously, benefit of the doubt coming off a torn ACL, but we saw in his in his first game that he's you know he should have that touch every single game. So you know hopefully hopefully it evens out. Hopefully he figures it out and starts putting the ball in the net consistently. Yeah, I, I feel like with Tyler, what we should hopefully get at some point is a situation where he is like the first or second guy off the bench playing basically starter minutes, like somewhere in the mid-20s, and ideally knocking down three or four threes per game and hopefully pulling down like five rebounds. You know, if yeah. you if you get that version of Tyler and, you know, get some version where, you know, Paulie's not a total liability on defense, then that's that's a terrific role and a terrific player right there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, that's certainly something to uh, aspire to. You know, Tyler, we'll, we'll, we'll just give him kind of a work in progress there. Like I said, you know, torn ACL, that's a tough injury to come back from. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, Sonogo. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> I, I want to see, we said it all. <laughs> I want to see more of this guy. This kid is awesome. Just, a just a physical marvel, but like more important than the physicality is that the touch, the kid can like, just like do what needs to be done around the rim in a way where he's not just like out of control. You know, something I feel like we've seen a lot with the Yukon's bigs in the past decade is it feels like they're like a bull in a China shop, except Adama actually looks like a bull, but he doesn't necessarily 
well play like one well in a bad way <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have to see obviously i'd like to see him play more minutes uh he he's a oh man i don't know what to say i guess it's like just you know he he a very very impressive start uh, i i don't really think there's too much else to be said with him but uh without a doubt definitely i don't know how exactly he'll fit into the starting lineup i guess it kind of depends if you know i could see a scenario where maybe we see a sonogo whaley plus three guards lineup at some point. I don't know if they need him starting though. Just get him 20, 25 minutes and have him just do his thing. I feel like that's a good start for him for the first month of the season. And obviously if he plays yeah, himself, sure. if he deserves more uh, minutes, he'll get him. So that'll, they'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. The thing that disappointed me was him only getting 11 minutes against Hartford. Um, I know it was a, I know it was a tight game, um, so it wasn't easy to get everyone the the minutes they should have had. Um, even though it pretty much like across the board, it wasn't terrible minutes wise. But he had, he played seventeen minutes against Central, becomes like oh, everyone's heartthrob, and then plays six fewer minutes against Hartford. I mean, I don't know what the reasoning for that was. He didn't foul at all, so there was no worry about foul trouble. Um, he was doing really well, four seven, like he was in the in the game before that. He he pulled down a couple of rebounds. He had a steal. So if you get him, if you give him another, you know, six to ten minutes in that game, what's he capable of? So I think I want to see. Of course, I want to see more of him, but I think we have such a, a small sampling of what he's what he's capable of, and that small sampling is incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think in the Hartford game, it was really, I f- it felt like Hurley was just trying to s- just start with experience and just kind of go yeah. from there. Uh, the two, so, at, you know, Polly of the four starters, Polly was the only one who played fewer than 20 minutes. Uh, Tyrese Martin and Brendan Adams were both the, basically the next two uh, top guys, uh, 25 and 24 minutes respectively. So, you know, Brendan Adams has played a lot of minutes. Uh, Tyrese is going to play a lot more minutes. Um, so, you know, we already talked about Tyrese and, you know, Brendan Adams, I don't really feel like there's a whole lot more to say about him, except that he, it feels like he's going to be a contributor. I don't know if I want him playing 24 minutes a game. I don't think he will, but it's good to know that at least he can, you know, yeah. in the Hartford game, for instance, he only had two points in those 24 minutes. So not, not a particularly great game. Um, you know, in terms of overall, like scoring production, uh, he did have four rebounds though. So that's, that's not too bad. Um, so yeah, so anyway, so, you know, book Knight, Gaffney, Whaley, Cole, Polly, Sonogo, Martin and Adams is kind of like your, your main rotation so far. And it feels like that's how it's going to be. And then the other guy to play a decent amount of minutes is freshman Andre Jackson. And I think it's, we can pretty safely categorize him as a promising developmental player, very raw. I don't know realistically what we should expect from him, but what we have seen of him is very, it's in small doses, very nice. Um, yeah. He's, he's a guy, I, I absolutely think, you know, you know, 10 minutes a game of Andre Jackson is going to be fun as hell. Um, the gaming at central was actually fascinating too. He plays um, here. Let me pull it up here. 19 minutes against central and he only scores four points. Both of them were on dunks. Really? Like one of them was an <laughs> of awesome lob. It goes up and I literally like, Oh, here it comes. Um, summer yeah yeah it wasn't he didn't finish with as much authority as i thought he was gonna but i mean whatever yeah. we'll, we, we got some good ones coming so you know 19 minutes four points you know okay five rebounds pretty good six assists 
I did not. I, I that was that was really really something. I, I didn't expect that at all. And his defense was was great. Uh, he was one, one of the team's better def- uh, defenders in the uh, the central game. Um, Hartford not not really great at all. Actually, no points in five minutes. Uh, three fouls and one block. So really not a lot to write home about there. But you know he's. I think a lot of the people who were like, oh, he's going to start right away and be great. Feels like wishful thinking. He, he needs some time and he needs some development, but you can definitely you can definitely see the appeal. The kid the kid is dripping with potential, and it's gonna just the, it's gonna be fun to watch him grow as a player in the next, you know, hopefully you know hopefully weeks and months. And if we get it, if we get to like January and he's kicking ass, then oh my gosh, <laughs> that we're yeah. talking about a whole different team here. If that happens, yeah. I think the thing the thing for me with Jackson and th- this might not make sense, but. I think he has, you know, just as an overall player, two different players, of course, but he has the potential to be the star of this freshman class, you know, between him and Sonogo. But Sonogo is more ready to produce now, if if you get what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you just, you need to give Jackson some time. Obviously, he there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of guards to give minutes to on this team. A lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that are going to produce. And um, I, I should say more of a winger when it comes to Jackson. Um, really, really enjoyed what I saw against Central. And obviously the Hartford game again, weird game. It's just how it went. You know, you you expect you're going to see a lot more from him in in the games going forward. So once we get into you know these Bubbleville games, whatever they're they're big games. They're against much better opponents. That's where I'm going to really want to see what we get from Andre Jackson. I don't expect him to start for a while. Um, you know, that's just it's how it goes with these freshmen. We're we're excited about them. We want to see them playing as soon as possible. But we got a lot of other guys who are you know, who are consistently producing at a higher level right now. So we just need to work these guys in. And when the time's right, the time's right. And we're going to get to watch Jackson fly from the three-point line and throw down with a windmill or something at some point. And it's going to be great. And we're really excited about it. Yeah, if we get to a point this season where Andre Jackson is starting, then, like, UConn is probably a Final Four contender because, yeah, yeah that would be really, really something. So, yeah, so that's basically the team as it stands now. So that leaves three guys who I, I guess we can kind of chalk up as not likely to play much. And the the one member of this this group that I'm a little surprised by, Josh Carlton, you know, he's been a, a started every game basically for the last, what, like two and a half years. And yeah. he just is just not a factor. He played like... Uh, I don't think he he didn't play at all against Hartford, and uh, I think he only played for yeah three minutes against Central. So just really, just he's really buried down the depth chart, and it, honestly, it's hard to see how he gets minutes that the way the way this uh, like rotation is looking. So I have to admit, I'm you know I feel bad for the for the guy. I mean, you know, he's been yeah. a good soldier, but uh, it de- definitely was eye opening just to see kind of really how far down in the pecking order it looks like he is right now. And it's going to get worse when a cook, a cook comes back. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about him more later too, but yeah, yeah, like, I don't know. Like it really does kind of feel like Carlton is going to be one of those guys where we're, we're only going to see him when Whaley or, you know, Sonogo or whoever get into foul trouble. I mean, it feels like, you know, it feels like to me, like you remember back, um, you know, there's a football analogy. 
the former quarterback, Zach Frazier, in the uh, Fiesta Bowl oh, yeah. year, he ends up losing the starting job and got buried in third in the depth chart. And eventually, you know, things happened and eventually he gets the starting job again. I, I feel like Carlton is kind of in a situation like that where he's just going to need to put in the work, just keep his head down. His time is going to come. UConn is going to eventually need need his help. And I, I'm sure when that time comes and I, I hope that he's ready just because, yeah. you know, he's he's you know, he's a senior. He's put in his time. He's he's taken his lumps. You know, I, I like I like the kid a lot. I don't I I have to admit, I don't feel like he should be playing more minutes it just kind of it just kind of is what it is like there's just better players on the roster but you know he's he's a guy I do hope has I do hope that the story isn't over for him and that he sticks with it and the the worst thing that I I would really hate it if it gets to a point where he just decides to quit or something that would be tough like he he does he deserves better than that but you know was definitely like you know a guy who we all had penciled as a possible starter is you know glued to the bench that's Certainly, it's eye-opening. I guess is really what it's what I mean. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it says a lot about you know about the big guys on this team. It says a lot about Sonogo, especially. But you know, it yeah, it's it's really sad to see Josh Carlton as a guy who's probably going to average you know two minutes a game or something like that this season. I mean, that's just how it's going to go. But when he, his number is going to get called, you're right, especially. Especially if we see foul trouble like we did the other day, or just like consistent fouling like we did the other day against Hartford, and someone's going to have to be on the floor, and you know someone's just going to have to clean up under the hoop for a few minutes while we get to a point where it's safe to put someone back in. And you know, Carlton's done it. He's not like he's not the best player on this team. He's far from it. He's you know he's definitely right where he should be on the pecking order when it comes to the bigs, but. You know, when you put on that UConn jersey, you expect him to be able to produce. And, um, you know, hopefully he can. And hopefully he doesn't get disheartened. And I'm sure Hurley's talked to him. I'm sure, you know, we, we've seen how great Hurley is with with these players. I'm sure he's not forgotten about Josh Carlton. And I'm sure Carlton knows that. So, you know, you, you just want to see him step up and do what he can for the team when, when the time comes. Yeah, and I guess it certainly has... It's it, there's something to be said about having a situation where you can go into a game and watch Isaiah Whaley and Adama Sonogo and I suppose at some point theoretically a cook a cook just get absolutely you know the, have the refs just go to town on them and just be like oh my god we don't have a front court and yeah. to have the solution be okay put Josh Carlton a guy who started like what like 66 career games in a row before the season something like that yeah. You know, that's fine. Like, you can work with that. Like, Carl- Carlton, like, I trust Josh Carlton a hell of a lot more than I trust a, a lot of the guys they've thrown out as the third big the last five years. So, I mean, <laughs> he, he's been he's been the first big for the most of the last five years. So, it's like, okay, <laughs> clearly we're working with a different roster here. So, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at there. And then, obviously, um, you know, the other two guys uh, in that category, Javante Brown and uh, Richie Springs. I, I, fair to say we aren't going to see a lot of them this year. Because, like, no. if they ever do find themselves in a situation where they're short on bigs, Carlton would be kind of the obvious pick to play them next. Um, so, you know, Richie Springs, I don't really think there's much to be said about him. But Javante Brown, I do feel like we should at least mention, he did see the floor very briefly at the end of the Central game. And um, got to be honest, really liked what I saw. <laughs> yeah. He's a big dude. You talk about a guy who passes the eye test. He's in the game and he just like, you know, scores two quick baskets and like, yeah, I mean, 
it was it was it was fun. It was like, oh wow, so this guy is gonna be like like the king of garbage time, man. Like I two rebounds too. Very, very much look forward to seeing when he is ready for showtime. Kid's only seventeen. He's a big, big dude. One big Canadian dude, man. I yeah. (laughs) That's what stuck out to me too. Is he he comes on the field on um, just on the field on the court? And I'm just like, oh wow, and you know, I I almost forgot because we were getting so hyped about Andre Jackson and Adama Sanogo, but you know, this is another guy you gotta you gotta wait and see what happens. And obviously, he's gonna be further down the pecking order with the bigs. But when when the time comes when he's ready, man, just based on based on what we saw those last few minutes, I mean, you can talk about garbage time being garbage time but man if he can if he can step up when the moment comes that's he's let's go yeah i I would settle for having a situation where yukon hopefully blows a few teams out this year maybe say in the georgetown game yukon's up by 15 20 25 or whatever throw javante brown out there along with uh with uh the, the hurley kid and you know whoever else and then just be like all right javante go eat and then have him just score like 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 five baskets in like those two minutes, just because he's just so much bigger, and you know everybody at that point is checked out. So he's like just absolutely just just destroying people, and you're like, okay, Javante, chill. And he's just like, no, man, you gotta get it. Let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I just I you know totally totally fantasy booking a you know the end of a couple of garbage time blowouts, but you know what? Whatever. It's um. One of the most joyous thing is watching you know walk ons and you know bench warmers get their time to shine and. You know, you don't see very many uh, bench warmers who look like Javante Brown, so it's going to be fun. No, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, and then one quick thought on a cook. Um, obviously, we really hope he comes back, uh, you know, soon and he's ready to go. And, man, this team with, with that dude, going to be fun. Can't, yeah, I cannot I wait. That would solve, a, like, that would not solve problem. I don't, uh, you know, these games have been weird, like I said, but they've had they've had a little bit of, They've had some trouble defensively. They've had some trouble with bigs getting fouls, and man, to have to have a cook ready to go and to you know, I think that would make things a lot easier um, on the defensive end in terms of you know guys getting in foul trouble. That's going to be a huge difference when uh, when he comes back because you know, man, he was he was ready to just go off. I mean, he was already going off a bit last season, but he's. I'm I'm so excited to have him back because if he can if he can keep progressing and he got big in the off season too, so just watch out when he gets back on the floor. Oh yes, oh man, yeah. I mean that's that's the big thing with him too is like last year he was a you know kind of like the Phil Nolan uh, Amita Brima special, just a a really skinny dude who. Um, I mean, he, he can do a lot of things. He certainly wasn't a pushover, but now you, you saw see those pictures of him in the yeah. you know, the, the weight room. And you're like, oh yeah, here we go. It's 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 he, go time. He was a twig. Now he's a trunk. He's. <laughs> I love it. Uh, fantastic description. That's that's exactly it. Oh man. All right. Well, um, so that's kind of the lay of the land with UConn as it stands right now. Um, you know, overall we have a good idea of the rotation. I would imagine we'll see things tweak a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we've now kind of gotten our feet wet. Uh, we got some big games coming up, you know, the real, the real uh, party starts now. Um, on this Thursday at seven o'clock, UConn will face uh, USC at Mohegan Sun uh, and then NC State will be uh, also at Mohegan Sun on Saturday at noon. 
Um, so USC, uh, I'm just going to try to make sure I still have the correct number here, uh, has moved up to 59 overall in Ken Palm. And uh, they own, they are 2-0 uh, with two wins over really not great teams. Uh, they barely survive in overtime against Cal Baptist, 95-87. to And then they put up a, a much better win against Montana, 76-62. to um, USC uh, got a good lineup here. We have Evan Mobley is their their best player here. 16 points per game, eight rebounds per game. He's averaging 68.4 from the field. Drew Peterson is also 12.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Got, kind of got a lot going for him. Taj Edey, 11 points per game and three assists per game. Isaiah Mobley, 10 points, 11.5 rebounds. So he is a rebounding machine. Uh, can't say I know a lot about USC. I did not have a chance to watch their games. I was expecting Vanderbilt, so I'd been studying up more on them before they, uh, that, you know, that thing went south. So, um, what do we think about this game? Uh, you, I don't believe UConn has ever played USC, uh, but they're talented. Um, good West coast team, good PAC 12 team. Um, do we have a sense of kind of how, uh, what kind of what, what to watch for here? Um, I'm curious to see that matchup with Isaiah Mobley down low. Um, that, I mean, I want to see how Whaley, I want to see how, uh, Sonogo, Polly, how they handle a guy who's averaging 11 and a half rebounds a game, because that's just, that's fantastic. Um, USC is going to be a, a fun opponent to play against. Like you said, it's the first time, first time ever between them. And man, this is a team that's been really consistent over the last few years. Um, they, you know, they were, 151 in Ken Palm, I believe, their first season under uh, under Andy Enfield, who Andy Enfield was the Florida Gulf Coast coach, right? Yep, Dunk City. Yep, Dunk City. Um, so we love him, just like threw down on Georgetown, so, so hero up here. Um, but since then, every year they've you know they've been really steady around like around like that 50ish mark in Ken Palm, 40, 49 and 16, 53 and 17. 51 and 18, 82, so regressed a bit in, in uh, 19, but then last season they were 55, and now there they are, like you said, at 59 right now. They're going to be a really uh, a really interesting early season opponent, that first real big test um, for for this team that we're still we, – uh, we don't necessarily know what we're going to get from, from UConn when the big games come around, so – I really, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think both those Mobleys are going to be tough, and they're going to be big tests both in the front court and the back court. So you're going to need your big guys to to step up and lock them down. So we'll see if they can. I think they can. I mean, like we've been talking about, Whaley just continues to consistently deliver. I'm sure that he'll he'll be the guy who's trying to to lock down Isaiah. And then you know if if Book Knight can have another have an actual a better 20 point game um if rj cole can stay consistent they they should get a win here they or they at least it'll be a really it'll be a close game um also usc another one of those teams who early in the season has had a lot of a lot of trouble with not necessarily good teams you know that you know cal baptist just another one who's taken the bigger program to overtime so Every we can we can look at everything that's happened, and then you know in the end we don't know 
anything pretty much until these teams get on the floor against each other, these bigger teams. Yeah, well, it's, it's it, on paper, it is a very even matchup. Uh, UConn's 51 and Ken Palm as it stands right now, and um, USC is 59. You know, in terms of uh, offensive and defensive ratings, I think UConn is 36 in offense and USC is 54, so UConn theoretically is better there. Uh, defense, uh, USC is 56 and UConn is 60, uh, 65. So, you know, I think that, that that checks out. So, you know, based on what we've seen, they both got, you know, both teams have four guys who are averaging double figures. Uh, you know, the Whaley-Isaiah Mo- Mobley matchup is uh, going to be fascinating. And Sunogo, too, I think that they, those are the three guys who could battle a lot down there. Um, I, I think the big thing for UConn is defense, really. Uh, offensively, I, I don't have any concern that UConn's capable of scoring you know, enough to, to beat this team. But really yeah, the, the thing that we saw in the first two games that was very concerning was just the, the consistency and the D just the ability to get stops overall. Like the central game was a joke. They, they were terrible on defense in that game. <laughs> so, you know, that's a hallmark of, you know, Dan Hurley's teams. And we saw it last year, their first couple of games were, were they ranged from bad to disastrous like that St. Joseph's game. My God, I, I cannot believe that's the same team who we saw, you know, at the beginning of the year compared to the end. So clearly a lot of room to grow. You know, they didn't have a lot of practice time. So, yeah. you know, by the time, you know, they'll, by the time they play USC on Thursday, they will have had almost a full week uh, to get ready. They'll presumably, you know, practice most of that week. I think they'll be fine, but you know, we got to see, see for ourselves. Um, yeah, and then NC State will be coming up right after that uh, on Saturday. That's a that's a good one. I, I that they, you know that's it's been on the schedule, but it's good. To, you know, this is a so if USC is a good even match, NC State is theoretically a team that UConn is probably going to be the the underdog in that matchup. Um, yeah. As it stands now, yes, NC State is still number forty overall in Ken Palm, so about ten points better. Uh, there are actually there are stats very similar. Uh, Thirty-one in offense, fifty-three in defense. So pretty similar rankings to UConn there. Uh, their uh, their first two games have been much much uh, much bigger wins uh, compared to what USC has had. Uh, Charleston Southern, um, NC State beat them ninety-five to sixty-one. So really a very similar performance as UConn against Central um, in terms of the quality of the opponent and the margin of victory. And then uh, more recently, they played and beat North Florida 86 to 51. North Florida is also is a sub 300 team, but, you know, they, they, they definitely took care of business um, much better than UConn did against Hartford. So NC yeah, State has can't that. You can say that about a lot of teams right now, taking care of business against a sub 300. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, four guys uh, averaging double figures here as well. Uh, Devin Daniels has really been a, a star for NC State so far. He's 18 points per game, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, uh, averaging 56.5 from the field. Uh, Jericho Hellams, 12.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. So solid complimentary score. DJ Funderburk, great name, 10.5 points, three assists, excuse me, three rebounds, and then Braxton Beverly, 10.5 points and four assists. A lot of great names on this team. Uh, I would love to be the guy who commentates them. Um, Yeah, so, you know, kind of same deal with USC. It it should be a close game, definitely a winnable game, but uh, these two games are an opportunity to make a statement, I think. Um, Do you have a sense of kind of what to expect with NC State? Um, I, it's definitely going to be the tougher of the two games, no doubt. I mean, it says something about the quality in the ACC this year where this team not only projected to finish eighth in the preseason poll uh, in that conference, they're currently 
eighth among all those teams in Ken Palm in a conference that has 10 in the top 45. Um, they're, like I said, they like we've said, they've taken care of business in these first two games, so it's something that you can't say about a lot of teams in this country right now. Um, just have, like, brushing aside, you know, teams that, yeah, you should be beating 95-61 and 86-51, but that's not been the case. So you got to imagine that they've been doing something really well. Um, I'm kind of surprised, you know, I, you know, we keep going to the Ken Palm numbers. I'm surprised that UConn is listed as a one point favorite here, but I think that's just because the game is listed as semi home for UConn because it's right down the road. Um, I think this is going to be a toss up. This is going to be with, this is definitely the biggest test heading into, into the conference schedule. Um, if they can, if they can get a win here, or if they can keep it very, very competitive for for forty minutes, and they don't have, you know, it, it's not. Hopefully, it's a lot better than what we saw, especially against Hartford. Um, if it's a game where they're in it start to finish, I think that bodes well going into uh, going into the Big East. Yeah, I think, and I think we should probably just mention. So, like I said, we're recording this on Monday, uh, Monday evening. You guys will all hear this Tuesday morning. We don't. Anything could happen in the next forty-eight to seventy-two yes. hours. For all we know, you know, one of these games could get canned, and we end up playing BYU or God knows who else. Florida's apparently up in Mohegan Sun. I I wouldn't be shocked if, you know weird things happen with the scheduling and all of a sudden Yukon Florida is back on after all. Honestly, I'd yeah. like that. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, it, all things considered, I, I we're just going to go on the assumption that these two games are going to happen. That gets Yukon four non-conference games. And then hopefully we'll see the full 20 uh, game big East schedule. And if that happens, you get to um, 24, re- you know, regular season games, including two very good non-conference games uh, and you, hopefully you win. You certainly want to win both of them. Hopefully you at the very least get one. That'll help you in those metrics. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel it feels like UConn has the, an opportunity to set itself up for success because one of the big unknowns was really how is non-conference going to work? You know, if they get and I would have liked them to get the five, but if they end up settling for four, you know, hey, that's that's good. That's a uh, you know, they can. They can just the Big East schedule will get done. They'll they'll figure out a way to get that all squared away. So um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a good. I, uh, hopefully we have some a good week of basketball to look forward to, and uh, hopefully this time next week we're talking about how great those wins were and not, well you know, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, so uh, one of the other things obviously the last week has shown us is kind of where the where things stand with the Big East. And uh, obviously, most teams are, have done well. Most teams have taken care of business. Um, ironically, a couple of the teams that we think are going to be among the best teams in the conference are among the few who have suffered losses. So um, overall, I think it probably the smart thing to do is simply just look at Ken Palm. And uh, as of today, uh, so I had to actually update my list on the fly because Providence, they lost to Indiana by 21 points. And they had previously been ranked... I, believe 42 they have fallen to 61 so uh we have uh so that's notable because uh we we got some bouncing around so as of this moment and um looking at my espn app it appears st john's and boston college are with under a minute to play st john's is winning 93 to 91 so 
This could change in the next couple of minutes, but as of right now, uh, the rankings are as such. Uh, Villanova, number one, is ranked fourth in Ken Palm. Creighton is the second team. They are ranked 16th. Marquette is the third at 27. UConn is now up to uh, number four. They have jumped Providence, uh, and they are 51. Seton Hall right with them at 52. Providence is now ranked sixth, 61. Xavier, seventh and 63. Butler, eighth, 64. St. John's, ninth, 75. Um, uh, DePaul, 10th, 81. Georgetown, 11th, 88. Uh, One thing I really stands out to me, Georgetown, number 11, 88. Pretty good. It's refreshing, isn't it? Pretty, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's like a little weird. It's still. It's gonna take a while for me to get used to seeing Georgetown ranked below DePaul. But yeah, yeah. It, it's like now you look forward and it's like there's no there's no landmines in the schedule. Like you know, um, USC, uh, NC State, and all of those you know other ten teams I just mentioned twice. That's that's great. That's gonna. This is this season's gonna be so much fun. Like you know, I, I'm legitimately look excited about all these games. It's gonna be fun, uh, and it's really nice to see UConn is now uh, you know climbing in the ranks. Uh, you know, getting up over Providence is nice. Uh, seeing that Providence being ranked ahead of UConn and Ken Palm was a little bit irritating. So uh, nice to yeah, kind of like that. get get that going. <laughs> uh, you know, gotta get over Marquette now. So Marquette, by the way, uh, has been, I feel like consistently ranked. Uh, you know, in the middle to the bottom of the conference, Ken Palm really likes Marquette. Uh, they're they're you know, tw- just outside the top twenty-five. So, you know, yeah, uh, they're apparently just looking at their numbers. They're one of the best. I I haven't watched them yet, but they're another one of those teams like NC State who's taking care of business against the bad teams. Arkansas Pine Bluff, one of the like bottom ten. You know, beat them by 40, 42. and then Eastern Illinois they beat by twenty-five. With the best defensive effective field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, one of my favorite stats. Um, they're they're looking really good defensively. It, it, it would appear so. You know, if that translates to bigger games, they get to play against Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State on Tuesday. So that'll be a must watch. Um, you know, they could be another one of those tough teams in the conference. Yeah, I mean they will be no matter what. I mean it's a tough conference. Yeah, Both playing in a tough Mar- conference. Mar- yeah, Marquette is like one of the sneaky best games on the schedule. Like, yeah. you know, nobody, I feel like, you know, all the buzz is about Seton Hall, Villanova, Creighton, you know, some of those other, you know, Georgetown, you know, Marquette, man, like, you know, we, we have history with Marquette, like, you know, back in the oh, yeah. Kemba, Jimmy Butler battles, and you can go back a little further. You have, uh, you know, the AJ Price, uh, you know, looking at the dude who he, after breaking his ankles and knocking down <laughs> that shot. You know, some good times uh, with Marquette. I mean, hey, this the is the overtime game. Yeah, you got the, you know, obviously, like, you know, Dwayne Wade played for them back in the day. That, that's a little further back, obviously. But, like, yeah. even still, just, uh, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be cool. And then, obviously, after the um, after the Bubbleville games are over, then UConn will get a look at uh, St. John's, who uh, is now ahead 94 to 93 with 30 seconds left. 90, by the way, both teams, high-scoring game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a that, that's in regulation, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty pretty good. You know, I was watching the first half before we started recording, and uh, St. John's had just gone on this huge run. Um, I gotta say, Boston College looked pretty good the other day too. Like, you know, so you know, St. John's like honestly, like what I I consider them one of the worst teams in the conference, and they they're fun. Like it was like you know, just put them on. It's like you'll see what they look like, and all of a sudden it's like, oh damn, these guys can play. 
Let's go. <laughs> I love it. They're one of the worst, and they're 75. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's awesome. Yeah. So, by the way, just you mentioned Xavier offhand the other day. I, I think it, we need to give Xavier a quick shout-out. Fantastic Twitter game. Um, just yes. Abst- you know, we're finally getting a chance to see Xavier Twitter in action. And that their whole their whole deal with, like, I don't really understand exactly what's happening, but, like, they beat the, they beat these guys and then they just find whoever the biggest hater on the other team's Twitter is and just like post headshots of the same guy over and over and over again. It's oh legitimately hilarious. <laughs> uh, I don't. And they they they've been our allies in piling on UCLA so far this year because of uh, Mick Cronin. So, yeah, yeah, the Mick Cronenbergs down there. That also hilarious, by the way. Uh, that would have been yeah. so funny if that game had gone the other way. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. So, you know, shout out to cap, uh, cap Xavier, uh, yes. former, Go former guest of the show. Captain. Um, I do know at some point that he's going to send all of his burners after me. I know it's going to happen. Uh, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be hilarious. I, I don't get, I, I have to say for, you know, I, I, uh, you know, deal with, uh, you know, sports journalism. So, you know, people follow me for, you know, what, one thing or another, I, I shout out to my followers. I don't have very many trolls, so I've never been like, just annihilated by ratios for something even I've probably deserved to a few times. I tend to be cautious, but like I I know it's going to happen and I have a feeling that Xavier and his crew is going to be responsible. So a part of me is looking forward to it, but whatever, we'll see how it goes. Um, if UConn takes care of business against Xavier and maybe we can hold it off. But, uh, anyway, I brought it up just because Xavier is absolutely just annihilated. Uh, who was it? Who, who did they even play in their opener? It was they, they won like Oakland. Oakland, that's who it. Took Michigan to overtime last night. Oh my God, you're right. I forgot. Oh my word. Oh Michigan. <laughs> oh my God. What a season they're having. My God. Oh yeah. Shout out to Xavier. Yeah, that's like UConn's first. Like you know, we all sit down for marathon Big East. Uh, you know, day. We're all stoked. Like all right, throw on you know at Fox Sports One at noon. You know, got to hear the old NBC on N- NBA on NBC theme, which is. Uh, by the way, that's gonna be a thing from now on. UConn basketball. This the theme is is like the the old NBA on NBC theme. That's dope. Yeah. So everybody, we turn that game on. It's like all right, cool. First Big East game of the day. Let's go. And then Xavier just what was it like fifty three to twelve at halftime? Something stupid like that. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier's other games much more competitive, by the way. They beat Bradley fifty-one to fifty. Uh, Xavier, or, excuse me, Toledo seventy-six to seventy-three. Uh, they're actually also in action as we speak. They are currently up fifty-four to forty-five on East, Eastern Kentucky. So, whatever you know. Hey, yeah. it's it's college basketball. It's back and it's crazy. Um, I feel like we're probably going long. So, Tim, I don't know any other thoughts on just the first week of college basketball. Uh, I'm just. So glad it's back. I'm glad we've got the Big East and John Fanta in our lives. And uh, um, I've missed, I've actually, I've noticed over the last week that I've missed all of John Rothstein's ridiculous tweets, his little cliches or whatever you want to call them. And it's all just, it's so good to be back. Whether, whether the game should be being played or not is another discussion, but it's something we've all missed dearly. And especially with UConn, especially in a new in this new old conference, it's just good to be back, man. It's so good. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's. I, I think yeah, it's like you said. It's we we are still in a pandemic. And it's getting worse by the day. But look, just we for once in our lives, like we just it's nice to have something nice in our life again. If if it feels yeah. a little irresponsible, and that's life. Listen, I mean, 
I, I, we're all trying our best. <laughs> I think we yeah. all, we all realize that, you know, certain things in our life we have to go to go without. So I feel like if there's one thing we can just allow ourselves to be happy about, it's this. And then I don't know, feel bad about the other things, you know, whatever. Yeah. Said. so that's uh yeah so i feel like that's a good a good place to leave it uh by the way john fanta if you're a listener come on the show we love you you're, you're the best um would love to, would love to talk biggie soups with you come on anytime um i'll try to try to make that happen in a little more formal way later but we'll see how it goes <laughs> anyway uh you have listened to another episode of yes yukon uh my name is max cerullo you've just been listening to tim Fontenot once again you know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Uh, and DMs are open, so you know, hit me up there if you'd like. And um, uh, yes, UConnPodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up there as well. And yeah, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help us out. And by the way, you guys are crushing it. This show is now up to the first, uh, it's like I think the second or the third listing if you search UConn on Apple Podcasts, right up there with the um, the UConn Insider Podcast, the Hartford Current does, and like, you know, the UConn Blog Show and, you know, a dime back. All great shows, all shows you should listen to. Thank you guys for the support. And guys, we, we're back. This show started in like the immediate aftermath of the pandemic wiping out all basketball you guys have been great i've been had such a lot i've I've had so much fun doing this show and uh feels great to talk new yukon basketball next week uh we will be back and my hope is to talk a little bit about st john's new and old we will have yukon will only be a couple days away from rejoining the big east officially officially with their uh first big east game back and the hope is that we can talk a little bit about the symmetry of gamble pavilions opener back in 1990 also against st john's great full circle moment so can kind of mix in the classic with the new and um that's the that's the plan anyway so we'll see how well it goes and uh if i can get the get get some good guests on or you know to talk about it Anyway, that's enough of me. You guys all all do great and uh, be safe and we'll all catch you later. Have a good one.